Hey, hey, PodNuts. Welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 246. This episode is brought to you by uh, our, our, our glorious Patreon supporter, John Barbagallo. And I'm pretty sure I just butchered his name, but I'm still thankful that he is here to support PodNuts. And somebody else who has been here to support PodNuts for a great number of years is Mr. Bruce Patterson. How's everything going, Bruce? All right. And Dora, you nailed that right on the head. That's what she said last night. Um, I will say it's been a couple of weeks um, since we did a show, and I have no problem in saying I am the one to blame. Um, between me and you, Bruce, I have had a hell of a lot of pain in my shoulders. My orthopedics um, from where I go said, yes, I need surgery on my right shoulder, but for the last like month and a half, I've had extreme pain on my left shoulder. So I'm not looking forward to what's going to happen here in the next couple months. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you actually figured that part out, boy, because I got to tell you, nothing is worse as you get older. You don't recover as fast as you used to. Well, and that's why I figure I better get this done now, because uh, she was very nice in saying this could take a maximum of six months to actually fully recuperate from and i firmly believe that once the surgery is done on my right shoulder i complained about my left shoulder i'm going to need a similar surgery on my left shoulder which means i could be dealing with this discomfort i'll say for about a year you know what i'd like to do i'd like to find out who is the team doctor for some of these sports teams because i gotta tell you i want them on my hmo because i've seen hand fractures broken legs, everything healed within the month. I want that. They're too expensive, number one. Um, number two, they also have the liberty, those players, to sit around and do nothing all day except tend to their wounds, where we have to tend with our significant others, children's, pets, friends, external family, and then we put ourselves typically last on that list where those people have no problem with putting themselves first because they earn enough money to say you other people can be taken care of by servants and other people i'm going to take care of myself i'd like to think that matt harvey is my doppelganger because see we're both doing nothing right now except he's getting 11 million dollars this year just proves once again um we're doing something wrong oh, absolutely <laughs> So I hope you had a good couple of weeks. Hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend there, Bruce. Oh, yeah. You know, again, like anything else, a holiday is a holiday. What is really kind of concerning in the work front is that um, I saw on some of the uh, Slack channels, because I, I belong to the security one and the Azure Boston one here, and surprisingly, some of the people said that uh, this past Memorial Day, their their uh, companies wanted to treat it as just another work day. Uh, I don't want to say I'm not shocked, but I will say I saw a unusual amount of emails from my work account during the weekend where I'm thinking to myself, I'm not answering them. I'll answer them on Tuesday. And I think that's one of the things, you know, a conversation that keeps coming up during our staff meetings is, you know, where do you draw that uh, work home line? You know, it's a lot easier than some folks realize because what I do at five o'clock, I shut it off. I shut my machine off and better yet, I have a separate profile, work profile on my computer. I shut that off, I log it off and I walk away because, you know, knowing that temptation there to work on something after the fact, mm -mm, no, I'm not doing it. I've given far too many years to the place I'm already working with. I agree. Um, I uninstalled all work applications from my personal mobile device, and I did a similar thing to what you said. Um, I now have multiple logins on a couple of my machines where one login is work-focused, the other login is home-focused. I will say, using KDE activities, you can achieve kind of the same thing. I did play around with that last week as well. It didn't seem as easy to understand as just simply creating a different login. Um, I told my supervisors, my managers, everyone above me, uh, like three steps up, that I'm not going to be answering any emails after hours for the foreseeable future. 
between you and me, it's because A, they don't pay me enough. B, even if they offer me more money to do such a thing, I wouldn't because I need to dedicate family time to family. And it's like I've told people for years, door-to-door geek does not exist while my family is awake. While my kids and my wife are awake, I'm Steve McLaughlin. I'm not door-to-door geek. Uh, All these shows that I do are always after nine o'clock at night about because that's the time the kids are supposed to be in bed and the wife is just sitting upstairs watching some murder death rape drama tv series that she's engulfed with to where i can come downstairs and do a show you know and again it's kind of the same thing i mean right now uh i i have clearly defined lines and that's one of the few things that uh i think is the only thing consistent about me so i'll run with it (laughs) well And consistency and stability are two of the things that I think I need to focus on just doing better for myself kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And it isn't easy. And I hate to say it like this. Nothing in life is easy because it's not supposed to be easy. We're supposed to work towards things and then actually enjoy the reward of the accomplishment. Now today it's all based on uh, bounties. And I hate it because at this point, we're also looking at a, uh, uh, what do they call this, a gig economy, which is going to be more and more cutthroat on some of these things based on tips. We're kind of creating a, uh, uh, I don't want to say it, but it's almost like a, uh, a really awful form of um, work environment. Let's put it that way instead of using the S word. Yeah, it's polluted. Um, and it's partly our own fault because people like me and you went over above and beyond so often that other people just seem like, well, that's expected now. Um, I've made it very clear to everyone around me that day is over. This is a dawn of a new era to where I'm going to bust my hump and do easily two weeks worth of normal employee work in about a day and a half. Uh, But when I'm not connected, don't ever expect to hear from me again. Well, one minor note I'd like to bring up too. What's interesting is that we're in the unfortunate field of IT. And you may remember many years ago, there was the passage of what they call the K-1 visa because there was a shortage of IT people here in America, which honestly, I can't believe that they could make such a claim and that the news media would propagate such idiocy. I mean, in in the Boston area alone, you figure there are at least 5,000 graduates a year, a semester, who have IT experience. Well, anyway, the short of it is this. It's nice to see some of these things come full circle and then get bit by the very administration who wants to now revoke those K-1 visas. It was to import immigrants to come to America to work at a fraction of the cost uh, while allowing green card status. And uh, now we want to close people out of this country. It's like, make up your mind. Well, they'll never be satisfied. They'll never actually come to a national conclusion. Um, And yes, I do think it was all about there wasn't enough people in this country willing to work at the cost that they were willing to pay out. So let's work in this other third party system to have people come in. And I'll say it like this, a huge majority of people in my building where I used to work kind of thing came over on those visas. And I have no problem in saying they are some of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life and some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. I don't discourage them. I never discourage them on trying to do better by their family. In fact, the few that I've actually got to know, I am like really enlightened on how much money a they're sending home and they plan on, you know, when they're done doing their job, they don't want to stay here. They want to go back home where their family is and try to make their own area better. And they understand that what they're doing is they're undercutting. In the old NFL days, you'd be like sliding across the defensive line, taking out an offensive lineman at their kneecaps kind of thing. And they know that's what they're doing, but they also know it's what they have to do. Um, a couple of them have shown me very visible, like um, they're, they're upset at that's what they have to do. But at the same token, they say that's what they have to do for their family's sake. 
Oh, and let's make no mistake about it. If the roles were reversed and it was the other way around, I'd absolutely be doing the yep. same thing. No, I think my gripe actually has to do with the companies that are making these decisions because they know full well what they're doing, no matter how bad they try to spin it the other way. But anyway, um, we'll end that discussion because we're not going to solve that problem. Today. Well, we're not going to solve it, but I will say I got an email that was very close to this very topic, Bruce. Um, a good friend of the show, JT Go Lively is his like handle, his nick, his uh, thing. And he basically asked me, do I have any more Think Penguin coupons? Which, huh, yeah, I do. But then he said to me, um, what do you think of System76 laptops? And I tried to respond in a very kind, open, earnest, honest way, which is, I don't believe that System76 has Linux moving forward in their mind. They have personal wealth growth in mind. I much rather support a company like Think Penguin, which makes it very clear their goal is to push the open source initiative, to push Linux to be greater. System76, Za Reason, and a couple other ones, I firmly believe don't care about Linux whatsoever, and they only care about profit. Does that mean I'm right? Hell no. It does mean I'm not going to give them any money, but I will tell you, everybody I've known who buys a, a System76 laptop, because I don't know anybody who's ever bought a desktop from them, 80 plus percent of them are insanely happy with their purchase years later. A couple... People are really upset at the company and swear they'll never spend another dime with them again, but I will never spend money with a company that I believe is out for personal financial gain versus the greater ecosystem in general. Well, and of course, they're not helping their situation by um, now charging for Pop! OS. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I get it. Yes, the, everybody's going to try and make money for the efforts that they have, but... Uh, it is interesting that, um, well, that was a review from Jesse Smith and DistroWatch this past week. And, um, you know, it's funny because I'd forgotten to ask him about that very question, you know, because at the end of one of the articles that I'd seen, which I think was either Ars Technica or Pharonics, the question at the end was, you know, it's a solid, it's a solid OS, no doubt about it. They've got good developers on it. But when the day is done, are you going to pay for something when, you know, you can easily get one of our free distros now? I mean, yeah, I guess that's, I guess we need entry-level Linux users too. Um, we need all Linux users. Um, and I'm not against paying for an operating system, but being a nerd, being a guy who wishes he had a gray beard, I just all I ever wish for is transparency. Not only tell me where my money is going, but show me where the code is coming from as well. Because hypothetically, let's just say a couple of other developers of X operating system have extreme beliefs that I don't want to support. Um, at the Or hypothetically, two thirds of the developers come from countries that are not as privileged as where I'm at. And every dollar I give becomes $18 in their local economy. Well, then, damn it, I feel even better spending the money. But when I look at things like that, I see zero transparency, which means my money is going to buying somebody a Corvette or a Mercedes-Benz, and it's not going to normal kind of people. No, I agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because a little bit later we have an article we're going to talk about where they actually uh, gave the um, the salaries of a couple of their developers, but we'll save that when we hit Creta. Very cool, very cool. Um, The link I had to bring, and honestly, Bruce, it's been in the notes since I want to say late April. I am not a super hardcore nerd when it comes to Linux. I'm not. I'm really an actual light user. But when I see a tool that is very easy to install, very easy to configure, and surfaces immense amounts of data to someone like me, then I am like completely on it. And this is a good example to me of that. It is called Bash Top 
B-A-S-H-T-O-P. I do believe you need to have the born again shell or the bash shell installed for this to work. Um, if you go to the GitHub page link in the notes and you scroll about halfway down, you will see a unbelievably well-crafted command line interface kind of thing. It's end curses type interface, but is displaying immense amounts of data. It's showing you each core, how much they're being taxed and a short history of each one. Um, then it goes through your memory, uh, how much of that is being used, how much of your disk are being used, uh, what's the top processes in RAM, in processor, in swap, uh, and it shows you your network activity for X amount of time too. This to me is the example of how something on the command line can be in no short terms, absolutely gorgeous. Now, one of the things I wanted to bring in here, a couple of things. Uh, if you want to see this actually demonstrated real time, there's actually uh, another YouTuber, uh, DistroTube of all things, uh, actually um, shows this uh, working uh, live, and it's a phenomenal thing to see. Um, and just a quick breakdown for the folks who are viewing this. So, uh, as Dor mentioned, uh, in this particular case, it, the uh, core the eight cores of uh ram are in the upper top right and then of course uh uh it's funny because there's uh down in the bottom right you have uh, all the programs that are currently running um it, it's um of course a lot like top in the ways that when you want to kill one of those processes should you want to you can actually do it from the menu there as well uh this is a phenomenal tool it is and then if you scroll a little bit further down what you see is when you're in the interface and hit escape, you get an actual like interactive menu where you can go options, help and quit. And then the options right there is also theming options. And it's very easy. Um, I want to say it was actually like CSS type a file where you can go customize your own options with your own font, your own color patterns and everything. Um, this is the kind of thing where I, I, I fully expect to like be watching a interview with some business executive and then in the background to see like a 60 inch TV hanging in his office with some kind of like monitoring going on. And it's going to end up being bash top in the background. This is the kind of tool I can honestly see a huge swath of people once they discover customizing to meet their needs and then showing it off. And yes, it is a lot like top or H top, but in my humble opinion, in my personal narrow point of view, this makes H top look um, like, like well, garbage, like, like it has a eating disorder kind of thing um, where this is like rich. This is full. This is to me, damn amazing. And I love the fact that I can literally install it on a Pi device. I can SSH into it and I can run this and I can see really feature rich stats in real time. And I can see what's taking up resources, what's slowing down the device. You know, um, this is one of my favorite things I've installed in the last like five or six months. Again, B-A-S-H-T-O-P, just Google search it and it's installable on everything that's ever existed. And from my understanding, just a little bit of background, is the man who developed this uh, apparently has always wanted to get to this, but he says his own laziness has done him in. Well, that's 3,000 lines of bash code right there. And it results in something glorious. I have no problem in saying that. And I think he picked a really good name, Bash Top. Um, it conveys exactly what it is, because people know in the Linux world, the nerds know what top means. Top means you're going to see what's happening, your disk I.O., your load, your network stack and everything. And then bash top just means it's a tight interface that will be compatible with bash. This is this is one of the best things I've found literally, I feel, in years. I think the irony here is that the page looks a lot more antiquated as opposed to the actual application. Well, I will say it is difficult for an application like that to properly do justification to a project and they try, but you know, um, they need a specialist to come on who understands web UX design and give them a domain and a page where they can actually like properly d display what's going on with this.
Well, you know, again, I think if if there's ever an Achilles heel for Linux, it's actually been design. You know, I'm I'm hoping that maybe in the upcoming years uh, that will be the next thing that people focus on because really don't have any excuse to uh, say we don't have the tools. We absolutely have the tools. We just have people that are more tech inclined versus artistically inclined. Yeah, um, I'll say especially with all this. Uh... Corona stuff, we have been like educated that there is plenty, plenty of talent, plenty of people to go around to do all this kind of thing and get this kind of stuff done. Quite frankly, I think we're at a period now where we may see a lot of, well, let's put it this way. I would say that in the next month or so, we're going to see a lot of, um, uh, a lot of thing, good things like, you know, music, art, uh, a lot of writing. I mean, a lot of personal projects are actually going to start coming to the top because we've had this time at home to work on these things. And, you know, it's funny, despite the fact that, um, you know, if you stop and do a little bit of personal inventory, you'll realize you've probably done more than you actually think because a lot of folks say that they've been home now for the last couple of months. I haven't done anything. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing until I realized the other day, no, I've actually done quite a bit over this time. So, uh, yeah, let's keep an eye on both YouTube and all our other sites because we're going to see an explosion of this kind of Absolutely stuff. Absolutely agree. Um, the next link I wanted to bring up, and it's this is the kind of example of the stuff that I wish I had the time to devote to actually using the application, um, but I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to lie. Uh, I have not. Um, command line to do note taking task kind of solutions are the kind of thing I really do wish more people would utilize. This was an example of one. This was called STUP, um, which I take as standard up uh, daily notes in the terminal. Um, STUP. Uh, if you check it out, you basically run the basic command of STUP. Hit enter, and it gives you a bunch of different options on what you can do. Amongst the uh, it is to display the current notes, display things that are outstanding, display things per day, add things, add tags, add notes. Um, this to me seemed like unbelievably full featured and flexible. I don't even know where to begin with this because, uh, yeah, I'm not sure uh, um, whether or not I'd actually have a chance to use such a thing. One second, Bruce. I was hearing doubles kind of thing. Uh, we had our Jitsi experience go a little bit of boom, but I think we're good now. Okay. Um, yeah, to me, this is the, the kind of thing where if I would have had available to me when I was like 18 years old, I think of, I could have found a damn good use case for it, but I'm now so set in my ways. I don't know if I can. All right. And now we're back. It looks like you might have dropped out of Mumble, Bruce. Maybe? No, you're you're there. Never mind. So, yeah, uh, I don't have much to add, so I'll remain silent. <laughs> well, well, I'll just say, if you're out there looking for a command line-driven notes application, S-T-U-P, I definitely encourage you to check it out uh, because this, to me, is one of the most, one of the more powerful to-do slash notes things I've ever seen in my life. Um, and with, I'll say this, the advent of the Pine phone and the Pine tab and a real, actual, full-blown Linux operating system on a tablet, this is the kind of tool I want available to me. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to use it, but I love having these things available. Yeah, like anything else, you're only as good as the tools in your uh, toolbox. Yeah, and honestly, half the reason I bring um, things to this show are just so I have them available to me um, in my like history. If I was good at writing text, I would have a blog. I would have never started a podcast. The part of the reason I do a podcast is so I have these like historical notes that I can go back to looking at. Um, not only do I really wish I was better at note taking, not only do I wish I was better at doing um, to do kind of things, one of my passions I wish I was actually competent at was graphic design. And we've had uh, more than a couple really, really good uh, options on the, the Linux desktop. Um, 
One of them that is very successful on the Linux desktop is now making the jump to be a, a Android application, and it's Krita, K-R-I-T-A. Um, for those that don't know, there's raster-based graphics, and I'm saying this slow so I don't mess it up. There are raster-based graphics, and then there is vector-based graphics. Raster-based graphics, the long and the short of it is, if you zoom in, they become blurry. Where vector-based graphic applications, you zoom in, and they stay perfectly crisp and clean, because one is a numbers-based thing, and the other one is not. Krita, I believe, is a raster-based art manipulation tool, the opposite of Inkscape, but equally impressive, equally fully featured, and can really have somebody who has a talent to create art. This is the kind of tool that really I think they should use. Well, and I'll get into trouble here, but I, I'll say it anyway. Um, you know, if you if you draw comics for a living, this is the perfect tool for it because a lot of folks have created uh, comics uh, panels using uh, this application. In fact, it's funny. This application is, is pretty old, I think, because I remember hearing about this for quite a few years now. I've been trying to get my brother to uh, uh, do it, but he's, uh, he's along the Inkscape side of things. So, um, you know, I can't. I'm obviously not going to have an argument with somebody who knows what they're doing, but just the same, uh, you know, Krita is, uh, is, I love the fact that it's also currently actively developed as well. Uh, we talked about earlier about uh, salaried people. Uh, a couple of the people that they have on salary right now are getting roughly 3000 American dollars a month to do the development on this. Think about that for a minute. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, well, I'll put it like this. There's GIMP, there's Krita, there's Inkscape. The three, to me, focus on very niche or niche needs. GIMP, I take of as being real-world photography manipulation. Inkscape is great for stuff like logo design uh, and for something like completely not real in the real world at all. Krita, to me, like you said, it's great for those kind of like storyboarding uh, where you're trying to blend the real world into uh, a very graphics-heavy manipulation area. Um, and yes, Krita, I think, has, has honestly, I don't want to say it's among the first KDE projects, but it begins with the letter K. And in Linux, when something begins with the letter K, you can be rest assured it has something to do with KDE. Um but I'm pretty sure this is among one of the early KDE-based applications. And I'll say it like this. I've warmed up a lot on KDE in the last six months, five to six months, um, partially because of my Pinebook Pro. I'm shocked at how well KDE Plasma runs on it. Um, but this is the kind of application I want to introduce to my son. And I've been giving him credit now when he does things like... Um, learning Spanish. I've been telling his teachers about it, documenting it very crisp and cleanly to make sure that he gets credit. And I did introduce this to him. He has a small uh, eight inch tablet. And I said, look, if you do artwork in here, I will submit it to your school uh, for your art um, uh, class. So hopefully you can get credit for that as well. And I spoke to his teacher and she said, give me anything you want. It will count towards his grade. Oh, nicely done. I'm not above bribing my children i will give them nintendo switches i will give them vr headsets i will give them burgers and fries and chicken nuggets and i will give them good grades if all they do is better themselves in any shape or form that's all i ever ask um and i know if i had the open opportunities as a kid where i was encouraged to be more expressive with art kinds of things, I do think now in my life, I would be much better at them. So that's why I keep like pushing my kids towards this kind of thing. Well, I think for me, it would have been interesting to have access to these kind of tools because, you know, at this point, is it too late to treat, you know, teach an old dog new tricks? Not, not as much as it used to be, especially now if you hope to survive in the field that you're running. But again, to your point, uh, KDE is is really 
uh, a desktop at some point that I'm going to have to relook at because there was uh, an article, um, actually a Pharonix article earlier, where they competed against the XFCE desktop, and they surprisingly uh, crushed XFCE. So that's that's saying a lot. That shows you how much the design has gone in, and this is one of the few projects where I can say the passion truly exists with the people over in KDE. And yes, you're correct. In regards to Krita, I believe that all the board members are from KDE. Yeah, and I will say um, it's one of those, like, they're meeting in the middle. It isn't that KDE is becoming insanely more efficient. They, they are becoming more efficient. On the opposite side of the spectrum, the drivers on the graphics are becoming insanely more optimized, where um, KDE is what's called a composited desktop, which means it requires 3D compositing. Okay, The 3D compositing has gotten so tight on the back end that it's gotten better in at the same token, the KDE development, the KWIN manager has gotten much better to where they are starting to see dramatic improvements in how they're performing. Um, XFCE, I will say it seems to me that it seems to be that their development has lost momentum. Um, I'm still a fan of XFCE, not as much as awesome or I3. Uh, but I do think they have a really good thing going. I do think they need a little bit more momentum in order to get things to run right again. But KDE, after the debacle, after the complete, absolute debauchery, when they went to version four, uh, they have made insane progress since then. Nope, agreed. And I think, if anything, one of the great parts about it is that the last couple of times where it was accidentally installed, um, when I wasn't paying attention, it wasn't terrible. I mean, you know, especially now, I figure with the hardware that I have is much better and able to handle such things. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you'll agree that hardware is not as much of an obstacle as it used to be for Linux. In fact, it seems quite the opposite. And now that Linux is, I mean, uh, Linus is uh, moving over to Ryzen as his, uh, his chip development. Why don't we see where it goes from there? That blew my mind, and that is hopefully a link we get to. But Linus, after, I, I want to say 20 years, said he's done with Intel, and he's moving over to AMD and NVIDIA-based products because they've been doing more progress, which blew my mind. Um, I didn't expect that, but I will say I've had more than a couple of people insist to me that in the last year and a half to two years, their AMD systems have went dramatically down in price, yet performance-wise on Windows and Linux, they're seeing significant improvements. Oh, I'm not surprised. Um, so the, the tinfoil hat segment of the show is this. Um, let's look down the road. Do you think ultimately Linus throws the towel in and says, all right, Microsoft, you pay me X amount of dollars. The code is yours. <sighs> Bruce, okay. I'll just put it like this. Microsoft is doing more in Linux-type ecosystems in the last 30, 90, 180 days than I've seen the level of advancements in Linux itself. Linus likes progress. Linus likes being around movers and shakers. Um, Microsoft released a package management system, a command line driven package management system called WinGet. Windows released the Windows Terminal 1.0, which is a lot like Bash. Um, Windows insisted that the Windows subsystem for Linux, which is named completely backwards, which is where you can install a Linux kernel on a Windows operating system, version 2.0, they're going to fully officially support graphical environments, which means you'll be able to load a Windows 10 desktop or server and then install the Windows subsystem for Linux, which is again named completely wrong, and then install basically anything you can install on Linux. So then the question would be in business and enterprise, if you already have a Windows server or a Windows desktop sitting around, why would you install Linux natively when you can just install this subsystem, 
which probably would be pretty easy to back up and restore in my experience. Um, I can see Microsoft making it rain with money to people to say, why don't you come over to us? Um, Linus isn't special. Um, to quote Ted DiBiase from around 1984, professional American wrestling, everybody has their price. And there's no doubt if you point enough money at Linus Torvalds, he will do basically anything you ask him to do. Well, and at this point, you're also looking at the Linux kernel, which is millions of lines of code. And at one point, you're going to come to a certain age saying, why am I doing this? And, you know, at this point, I mean, granted, you know, I think we all agree that the war is, is essentially over at this point. The the next generation, we're kind of at the cusp right now to see all the younger folks coming in, discovering this stuff and seeing where they they take it to the next level. Because the thing is, is that now if something actually happened to Torvalds, you do have, you know, a strong core of folks. Who are, who are willing to ex actually assist on it. Um, let's see, Greg Crow Hartman, I believe, is one of the big ones. Uh, the person who um, who does the editing for LWN.net, the new site there. Uh, Corbin, is it? Um, so there, there are some people there, but again, I am really kind of curious about where the future is. And I don't know. I, I, I just see a change coming because there will be enough money in that pot. Yeah, I mean, um, and I can't, I'll, I've learned in life, I cannot sit back as a bystander, as an armchair quarterback, and claim that I know what's the right choice to be made, and then to criticize somebody when they make a choice other than what I perceive as being the optimal choice. What I will say is this, what I hope happens is that Lennox continuously poisons oh i like that word a lot poisons every branch every arm every level at microsoft from the inside because it's been painfully obvious for windows to release a command line driven package management system means somebody at, at windows at microsoft who said you know i have a really easy time performing updates and upgrades and distribution upgrades and uh, cleaning up my system from a command line instead of like trying to do everything in this clumsy ass interface called windows. How about we create something called WinGet, which is like, like, like one degree away from app get, but let's call it WinGet, W I N G E T. And let's just do this and move forward. And then executives at Microsoft were so pleased by it. They said, move forward. So I'm happy that Lennox is what the executives said a decade ago, poisoning, poisoning Microsoft, because what one person's poison is another person's like honey or agave or whatever. So I want more Lennox people to get jobs at Microsoft because not only do they have their price, but the same token, Microsoft's ethics and morals are being compromised. What they believed no longer they believe because everybody else around them is changing their mind. Everybody working around them is now saying, you know, you know, this all, um, um, Linux thing, it, uh, uh, it seems to work pretty good. Um, maybe we could like, you know, use it a little bit and executives are agreeing because they have no choice. Um, I'm happy that's happening. I don't know if I'm going to be happy with the end result, but I'm just happy that companies are willing to change. Well, one of the things that you sort of hit on too was the, the, uh, command line in, uh, windows. You know, the funny thing is, is that I remember many years ago, somebody had said, uh, there was a project I had to do and they said, well, just SSH in and, you know, you'll be able to take care of that. At the time, the person didn't realize I was on a Windows machine. But at the time, and this is many years ago, I didn't realize that, yeah, just because you open up a terminal in Windows doesn't mean that SSH comes with it at all. I can't tell you what a relief it'll be on the day you can open up a um, a command line on Windows and actually do an SSH session. It's already happened, Bruce. I guess you didn't notice. Exactly. <laughs> you can open up PowerShell and you can invoke SCP commands. 
And it's been yeah. like that for like, I want to say almost a year. And I didn't know about it until like two weeks ago. I ain't going to lie. Now, the funny thing about Windows and uh, PowerShell and and Linux is simply this. It's still largely unusable, uh, for me at least, because it doesn't access you know, Active Directory uh, doesn't act, you know, access things that you'd actually have to use uh, PowerShell for on a Linux system. So uh, that still has a little ways to go. It does. I will say it's one of those things. It's like it's going to meet in the middle. Um, they're working from opposite sides of the spectrum. I don't know when they're going to meet, but I, I assure you they will meet. And it's going to be one of those things. No one's going to see it happening until it happened kind of thing. Um, there is another link that I honestly insist that we have to bring, and it's because I am infatuated, Bruce. I, I'm sorry for saying it like that, but I am literally infatuated with tools that make it easy for novice people to do extremely, as far as I'm concerned, extremely advanced things. Um, there are people out there that like NextCloud. There are people out there that like R-Sync. There are people out there that like... Um, uh, 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 these synchronization tools that are out there. This was one that caught my eye and it's only because the amount of information available in the graphical user interface was absolutely insane. This was called free file sync, all one word. This is complete GPL three product. Okay. So everything is in the clear and you can copy it and you can do whatever you, you want with it. Um, and if you just go to freefilesync.org and click on screenshots, um, if you just go through the screenshots, what you'll see is this is the exception of the rule in the graphical application interface. And what I mean is this is one of the few graphical applications that really does surface every single option available to a command line user um, through this graphical interface. Because we've seen rsync in the past. And with rsync, the graphical tools rarely have all the options available to them where this has every option available to them. Actually, I'll have to take a look at that because there are a couple of things. Uh, I had a couple of folder moves and like anything else, when you compare the folder from beginning to end, sometimes some files don't make it over for whatever reason and you want to be able to keep track of such a thing. So, right. If you take a look at the screenshots on this free file sync, one of the first things that caught my eye was... You literally had the ability to compare. Um, and my, one of my favorite applications from years ago was called GRSync, which was a graphical interface for RSync. RSync is the tool that any competent backup or copying thing uses on its back end. And with GRSync, you could run what was called basically like a test to where it would pretend to run your synchronization and then tell you what happened during it. It would tell you if it deleted files, moved files, copy files, created files, or updated files. This compare thing does the exact same kind of thing. Um, if you're at all familiar with doing a diff in the Linux world, when you do a compare in this graphical interface, it literally is like a diff. It shows you the difference on a file level, what is, com what is different. Um, and I'll just put it like this. There are certain things in the Linux world I don't want to have to drop to a command line and remember commands and type commands when it's a one-off kind of situation. Now, granted, if I want to create a routine that runs every X number of minutes perfectly silently in the background, I'm going to use rsync. But when I need to like set up something for the first time and make sure I'm doing it right, looking at this free file sync, I am blown away. I have no problem in saying it out loud again. I am literally blown away at how competent this damn tool looks. Now, it's interesting, too, because one of the things I realize how much of a pedestrian user I am of Linux sometimes, because very rarely do I get in a situation where I'm moving uh, anything at all. I mean, uh, over the years, I've learned to play without a net, but... Um, you know, for something like this, this is actually something that hits me close to home because uh, while for personal use, I'm probably not going to use such a thing. Actually, in an enterprise use, I could totally use something like this. Yeah, and the only thing I didn't get a chance to see is after running my compare, after running these things, can I get 
it, what it's running exported to a command line command. Um, cause if I can do that, then this literally solves every kind of solution I need. And I will say it like this. This also can connect to services and servers using SFTP, FTP, and even things like Google drive. Um, this is the kind of tool I almost want to skip a show or two just so I have more time to play with these kinds of tools, but I'm also addicted to doing shows. So we're doing a show. <laughs> Fair enough. And me, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Um, I will say there were more than a couple links in the show. I will make sure that the windows terminal, the windows package manager, um, will be in the notes. And one of the no links that is in there, um, we've, and I don't mean we as in me, and I don't mean we as in you, Bruce. I mean, we as in the greater people in the Linux ecosystem have not been able to shut up for a decade about when is it going to be the year of the Linux desktop. And I have good news and bad news for all of them little whiny people out there. The good news is we're going to have the year of the Linux desktop any day now. The bad news is it's not going to be Linux as you know it. It's literally going to be the Windows subsystem for Linux. Um, there's an article here, and I want to say it was by the Honorable Stephen uh, J. Von Nichols, who I consider to be still one of the best writers um, for any content I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, and he goes on to say that he believes 2020 will be the year of the Linux on the Windows desktop, where you're going to see development, you're going to see administration and you're going to see people doing deployment type things on a windows desktop but utilizing the linux subsystem like an insane amount of time and i will put it like this administrators developers people who do deployments executives administrators all of them they have one thing in common and that is that they're lazy as hell i say that and i'm one of them people lazy as hell we will do whatever requires the least amount of work and i do believe the devops ecosystem is 10 times more um matured on the linux desktop so i can see windows administrators accessing linux applications and workflows to get things in air quotes done um i'm i'm never going to say Stephen J. Von Nichols is wrong. I will say, I will question his judgment from time to time, but I ain't going to lie. I think he actually might be right on this. No, I tend to agree with you. Uh, usually if there's any article written about Linux, period, uh, he's actually my go-to person. Because over the years, we've seen some really ridiculous stuff in various Linux rags and stuff like that. And, you know, when the day is done, I'm glad to see that he's still uh, there writing up articles. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about a little while ago in regards to uh, Microsoft applications is that I believe that a lot of them are made not necessarily for the lazy administrator, but you literally could grab somebody off the street and say, here's what you're doing today. Press this button, this button, and this button, and then they just go on their way. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's a freaking dashboard for everything, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's funny because everything has a uh, UI and it's not necessarily the greatest. In fact, if anything, it's probably resource intensive, but everything is a graphical design. And, you know, it's funny with PowerShell, I've always been very curious on how well that's being used. But, you know, it's gotten to the point where they're building items for the front end that, oddly enough, send PowerShell commands to uh, the OS. So anyway, uh, that's what we got. <laughs> yeah, in my limited experience, and I'm, and I really, I hope people understand when I say that kind of thing, I am earnest when I say that. In my extremely limited experience, PowerShell is continuously gaining popularity, continuously gaining um um um. Uh, user base but where i'm at in government everything is always years behind even when we are like three times more advanced than our sister and our parent administration we're still three to five years behind um but i see where powershell can help 
those people get things done. They just don't know it yet, or they're still too comfortable with clicking in a graphical interface. Um, well, you know, I'm sorry. No, no, they're just not comfortable enough yet with automating script type things. Well, I guess what really concerns me the most is that you're right. It is gaining in popularity. You know what? One of the largest groups it's gaining popularity in are the um, the less than above board hackers because they've totally embraced PowerShell to crack machines and get into what they need to. Because that's one thing I think. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure where to go with this because on one hand, Microsoft is trying to make it easier for the administrators to do their job, but in doing so, you're opening another window to another part that you didn't think of because security is on their minds, but not not quite there yet, and so they leave lots of doors open. And uh, you know, it's funny because one article that I wish I had. Um, uh, actually discussed the issue of iOS. Uh, apparently, uh, the government was asked, do you need this, these round of hacks? And then the guy goes, nope, we've got all we need. <laughs> so as much as you think certain things are secure, security is really out the window at this point. Yes, security is a complete illusion. Um, another link I wanted to bring up only because I wanted to ask you, Bruce, if when you click this link, it's to ghacks.net, which I will say, it's one of the websites I subscribe to their RSS feed. It's one of the sites that typically when I find a good topic, I go find somebody else talking about the topic and I put their link in the notes um, only because I don't want to seem to favor any one site more than another. Um, with that stated, uh, the article is Brave Launches Brave Together video calling in the latest nightly version of the brave browser long story short everything is based off of chromium except firefox let's just go there microsoft edge is chromium chromium is chromium chrome is chromium vivaldi is chromium brave is chromium they're all chromium okay um some people have some issues with vivaldi some people have some issues with brave um and then you have people who just use Firefox. Okay. Perfection is unobtainable. Let's go there. Okay. Brave is trying to do what they perceive as being right by blocking ads and giving money back to other people. Um, they're doing their own thing. And to be honest, I think they're doing a really good job. I have every browser installed because that's me. They're not my main browser. They will never be my main browser. Um, Firefox is because Firefox is. But if you take a look at this link, Brave launches Brave Together. And you scroll down, I'll just say it like this. It looks a hell of a lot like they're using Jitsi on the back end to put together this video conferencing solution built into, in air quotes, Brave. And I'm okay with that because no good solution was developed on an island by itself. They all stand on the shoulders of giants before them. And Jitsi, in my humble opinion, is the kind of solution anybody else can download the server, put it up themselves and call it their own. Um, they need to do a little bit more in the realm of uh, customizing to make it a little bit less obvious that they're using Jitsi. Um, but I'll say if you enjoy the brave browser, expect in the next two to three months that you're going to have a new feature called brave together. And what it's going to be is a Jitsi based video conferencing solution that will be in my humble opinion, more stable, more consistent than a lot of other solutions out there. Well, I like some of the things that I've already seen from this. Uh, and you're right, Brave uh, uh, will never be my primary go-to browser. In fact, uh, right now I'm even using Waterfox, never mind Firefox. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually have to give this a rundown because one of the things that's been going the last couple of weeks, uh, my brothers and I have been video conferencing, um, and um, we started off with Zoom. We did Google Hangouts. That was a miserable failure. Um, I should give Jitsi a try with them and then uh, move on and see what happens with this because, listen, time is all we've got now. Yeah, and I will say simplicity and convenience will always trump everything else. And I'm sorry if I just triggered a bunch of people out there, but simplicity and convenience are the things that we humans value the most. 
Jitsi, in my humble opinion, are really, really close with getting that. I don't want to say perfect because perfect is unobtainable, but if you use it on Android, it is one of the things that just works. If you use it on the desktop, you just have to have a touch of patience, read what prompts you when you first access it, and then it is very easy to use. Um, if you click the wrong thing on the desktop or laptop, then it becomes a very painful thing to use. <laughs> ah, nice. Yeah, and, and I'm all for competitive browsers to try to, you know, take on other people. Um, Firefox has proven itself to me that their primary goal is individual end users, freedom and privacy. And because of that, I now have um, switched up my Patreon support. I've dropped a couple of things that I gave money to, and I've now started to give a monthly donation to Mozilla because if Mozilla as a corporation, as a company, as an entity, as a software development thing goes away, I think we humans will suffer somewhat in the next coming months or years. Oh, and let's make no mistake about it. Um, Google's um, old uh, uh, proverb, which was do no evil, is long gone. So uh, um, it doesn't mean that they're actively doing it, but uh, it's not a priority anymore. And I get it. They're they're a big growing behemoth. But um, I do enjoy checking out new browsers as they come along. I mean, you know, whether it's Opera, Vivaldi, I mean, something along those lines. But, you know, when the day is done, you're right. They're all using the same, uh, you know, WebKit, uh, Chromium infrastructure. So um, anyway, for me, it's Firefox and oddly enough, Quant. Quant works I don't want to say gloriously, but it damn well works. Um, on, on Firefox, one plugin that I don't know if you're aware of, and I'll and I'll share it in the notes. I'll do my best sharing the notes. It's literally called Neat N E A T U R L. Um, this is the plugin that I've been begging for for like five years now. To where you get you click a link, and now being a web guy, I know there's the domain, then there's the path, then there's the target, then there's a question mark, and then there's garbage after that question mark. That garbage is what enables people to track you, enables people to reference where you came from. It also changes stuff like your Amazon affiliate link. So everything after the question mark, I want deleted every time I click. I don't want any of that crap to move forward. This plugin on Firefox called Neat URL Basically, anytime you click anything, deletes everything after the .html or the .aspx or the .asp or the .jhtml. Because after that, it is totally unnecessary for the page to work, is the way that I'll put it. Um, that was one of the most best links I found in the last like uh, 30, 60 days. I do use Quant as my default search engine. Um, Every, like, once a day, like every 30 to 50 searches, I have to go to another search engine because Quant doesn't give me the options I need. Like in Google, I like, I can, I like the fact that I can say, only show me results for the last 24 hours when I'm looking for something hyper, hyper, hyper focused, like something that happened in Minneapolis, Kentucky, Chicago, or Baltimore, and I want the most up-to-date information on the kind of things. Um, but everything else, Quant is doing a damn fine job. And I'll say it like this, Bruce, I was shocked. I literally almost told my wife last week, we need to pull over, because I saw a billboard on the side of the road for DuckDuckGo. And I thought to myself, holy crap, DuckDuckGo has enough money, they can afford a billboard. Good for them. Well... They also can afford on-air advertising because if you listen to Bloomberg Radio, uh, I was shocked the other day when they were talking about DuckDuckGo. It's like, wow, good for them. Yeah, and that's the thing. I do believe that DuckDuckGo has individuals' liberties as a actual goal in their business ecosystem. So I'm okay with supporting them. I have them installed on my mobile device and they are my primary search engine on that. But on desktop, Quant seems to be doing fantastic. Well, and uh, so for me, here's where it divides out. Now, because we're in tech, 
you usually, you know, Google, you know, Microsoft has broken this. Well, you know, here's the error code. You can usually find those pretty quickly. But over time, you know, like I said, I've merged over to Quant. Uh, and Quant does a lot of things well when you're looking for something that are more, um, let's just say, not as tech intensive. It still gives you maybe one or two. The top two answers are usually in the realm of what you're looking for. Once you get beyond the fifth or sixth, it gets a little hazy. Um, but, you know, Quant will be my go-to for now. But if uh, I need anything that's intensive or tech, I have to admit I do fall back on on uh, Google for that. Um uh, you know, DuckDuckGo is something I really, you're pulling for and you hope that it does it. But, you know, for me, it just never quite gets there. I'll always root for them. But, um, you know, uh, until the algorithm is stepped up a little bit, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, when I use it, I always end up scrolling more than I want to. And that's the nicest way I can put it. It's one of those things, they have the best of intentions, and they really are doing a good job, but that doesn't mean they're going to give great results. Nope, absolutely. You're correct. Okay, uh, there, w again, will be links in the notes to everything that we could have possibly talked about, including an actual breakdown of the Linus Torvald build of his recent computer, to which I'm happy I wasn't the only one. I shared that, and two people I know who own computer shops this is what they do. They said, why in the hell does he need an 850 watt power supply? You know why? Because Linus Torvald doesn't know hardware. This is a perfect example of he's a software guy. He's a kernel guy. He does not understand anything about hardware. And Linus, if you listen to this, sorry, but it's true. You don't need an 850 watt power supply unless you have like an NVIDIA like graphics card in your thing. And you don't. You're using onboard graphics. Why? Because you're typing ASCII characters. You're a nerd. You don't need an 850 watt power supply. You could have saved like 40 bucks by getting a cheaper one, but you don't know what you're doing. And it's painfully obvious you're a little bit like RMS there, Mr. Torvalds. And you didn't ask somebody for their expert opinion, but instead you assumed you knew such. So. You pay too much money. And you know who thanks you? The Federal Reserve thanks you. Donald Trump thanks you. And the U.S. economy thanks you for spending too much money, sir. Good job. Well, how do you know he's not playing an Xbox game in one of the VMs? Because his video card won't support it. It's onboard graphics. Uh, uh, unless he's lying, <laughs> unless he's lying to everyone, and he actually has an NVIDIA graphics card plugged into that thing, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a clue on how to actually install computer games. Because of all the times that we've heard him talk about things, he never said, you know, I really enjoyed that latest Halo game, or I really, he never said Crisis was a great game. He just gave companies the middle finger, you know, that's about it. All right, well, I guess we'll run with that. <laughs> okay, uh, were there any uh, other things you wanted to bring up and talk about, Bruce? No, actually, we covered a great deal of it, so uh, I'm pretty happy well, with it. Well, I'm going to ask you blatantly, what other medias, what other ways can people keep up with you, contact you, and listen to things that you're doing? You know what? This show is, is perfect for everything that needs to happen. You know, uh, it's one of those things where uh, I've got to step up our presence on uh, Facebook, but we'll get there. Uh, I'm not worried about that presence. I'm worried about you and Jonathan. They do doing content. And I'm worried about the Distro Watch podcast because I have no problem saying it like this. I love the fact that every time I listen to Distro Watch podcast, I know exactly what I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear topics and articles that are prevalent to what is recent news in Linux. And I'm going to hear about new distributions that are making their like graduation ceremony kind of thing. And I'm going to hear about significant updates and upgrades to distributions. And I thank you. And I thank everybody at distro watch. And I monetarily have thanked him many times in the past for continuing to do such a thing, because without that, I'm going to have to rely on totally incompetent, independent podcasters and i don't want to i'd rather listen to a trusted source like distro watch 
Oh, thank you. But that that all goes to uh, Jesse, who is actually the big workhorse over there. Um, in regards to Jonathan, you know, I need to get back in touch with him and see what is going on, because I also know that at some point you're also thinking about having the triumvirate, all three of us. That could oh, be I'm, phenomenal. I'm definitely game for that. Um, and, I, and I'll put it like this. Anybody out there who likes enjoying communicating, talking, chatting, about Linux and doesn't believe that they know everything, don't hesitate to contact this podcast at linuxfortherestfest.com. In the notes, we have Discord links, we have Twitter links, we have other links. But if you try to contact me and proclaim that you know everything, you will quickly be debunked. You will quickly be set aside. You will quickly be thrown in the garbage because that's where you belong. Nobody knows everything. Humans are completely fallible. We are pattern recognition machines. We believe when we see something, it's the fact. We're wrong. We're idiots. You don't believe me? Walk out your front door and talk to the random person, and you'll see. Everybody is. Again, podcast at linuxfortherestofus.com or 7076podnut, or you can join us on Discord, or you can send me or Bruce an email privately. Bruce many times has stated, and a couple times incorrectly stated, his blog on DistroWatch podcast, but he then corrects himself. So you can contact any of us directly or contact any of our community members directly because there is one honest-to-God truth. We actually answer people on email. Um, I've had more than a couple emails in the last 30 days where people say, wow, you answered me. That's rare. Uh, I also have had people that say, wow, you actually seem to care. That's rare. And I've also had people that say, you are, are honest with people. You don't try to be dishonest. You don't have some political motive. You don't have some monetarily motive. I'm not going to tell you why you have to go check out ExpressVPN or some other company because we're not paid off, bought off by other people. Linux is for the masses. It's not for the enterprises. It's not for the elitist. It's not for the gray beards. Linux is for everybody. Uh, do you have any parting words there, Bruce? I do not, but I want to thank everybody for listening and for the folks who write in. We really appreciate it. And I'll it. say I appreciate everybody on May the 30th, 2020, who had any part in that SpaceX launch today. That was friggin' glorious and amazing and i forced both my kids to turn off their youtube for five minutes and watch this friggin' launch because i do believe that was a historical event and it would not have been able to happen if immigration did not allow certain people to come through and fight for their right to push this country forward that was to me one of the most glorious things i've seen like the last 15 years um and it's the kind of thing that makes me want to sit down and talk to people smarter than me, like Bruce Patterson. Thank you, Bruce. Oh, thank you. And I'll beg everyone, do not forget, Linux is not for everybody else, but it is, again, for the rest of us. And if you do not have root, you really, really do not know who does. Thank you, Bruce. 